Hey guys, welcome to episode 6 of Next on the Platform. This week I'm on with Alan Shoy and today we have a sort of a different sort of conversation where we're going to talk about Alan but also we have some mutual speaking points that we thought we would cover. Um, those being Candido and Sean's new bench press rules and a few other things. But I'll let Alan introduce himself for you guys. Yeah, so hi guys. Uh, first I want to say thanks for having me on. Uh, it's a great opportunity. Um, my name is Alan Shoy. I'm a 105kg lifter. Um, I'm basically an Instagram lifter. I haven't competed yet, but uh, that's in the future. So yeah, I'm excited to have this opportunity. Man, so you, you call yourself Instagram lifter. I think that's hilarious because most Instagram lifters are pulling with straps and uh, deadlift bar and ego lifting, etc. And you're not like that, but... You told me you only got into Instagram recently. Um, what was the reason behind that? So I think the biggest reason I got into Instagram in the first place was because I wanted to start coaching. And I think like Instagram is definitely the perfect medium to do that. Mm. Uh, without an Instagram, it's really hard to, to like get your name out there. But I think the biggest thing that like kind of put me off of it was just like the competition. I think that uh, with Instagram, it's easy to let it get to your head. And especially since I'm training myself, I didn't want the competition to get to my head. But, you know, it's a give and take, and I'm happy that I did it. So you coach yourself? Yep. Wow, man. I think one of the things with coaching yourself, and you've probably come into it, is um, not having a subjective opinion on your lifts. So I think one of the things that is great about having a coach, because I've only ever had a coach, is that he doesn't get emotional over my lifts. Whereas I would, if I was to program myself, I would be getting attached to certain numbers and say he might put in a 147 kilo bench single, but if I was to do it, I would have gone 150 just because it looks nicer on the bar. Have you have you run into issues where you sort of have to make hard decisions with, with numbers and stuff? Oh, 100%. I, I would be lying if I said like there haven't been blocks where I've just like completely, you know, quit halfway through or just like change things halfway through. Yeah. Um, I also think it's no lie or no surprise that like the past couple of months haven't been the best. I haven't hit any PRs or anything. It's definitely a learning process, you know. Um, I've gotten injured a lot of times, but I think especially when you're young, it might be a good idea to coach yourself a bit just so you have like that base knowledge. You know, not, not a lot of people have that. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I think if, if, if you had been coaching yourself and then you get a coach, you can definitely um, – understand it better and understand the process that he's going through to coach you rather than just getting a coach for the first time and you have really no idea why they're doing it i think uh i think if i had have coached myself like you said i would have been more familiar with what was actually going on and and for example like a peak you know like it's when you go through a peak for the first time for a comp um with a coach it's like i had these numbers i was like oh maybe i you know, I, I was scared of this number or I wasn't sure if I was going to hit this number, but um, yeah, it's, it, I suppose it just comes down to that experience at the end of the day. Yeah, 100%. And I think a lot of it is just me being stubborn. Like I've told a lot of my friends, that, like they're like, oh, you probably should get a coach. And I'm like, yeah, I definitely should. But I feel like just having this chance to like go through mistakes, you know, go through injuries and come come back better is a, is a big thing because I think a lot of team lifters at first you know they 
they progress really well at first. They have like these heavy singles they hit every week. And I've had that too. But then, you know, things kind of slow down. And then you start to wonder, you know, was this all like a ruse or was this all, you know, newbie games or whatnot? And a lot of the time, a lot of the times it isn't. It's just, um, you know, training isn't always going to be great. Mm. I think um, people get attached to that linear progression and they'll see it for a few weeks and then or a few months even or even a year when you first start doing it and then the first time that it's not linear it's like oof you know like I sort of I've had a coach for just over a year and only recently um about last last month I was like the whole the whole block was amazing on bench and I'd hit all these like volume PRs every single week and then when it came to peaking, I just it just I went for for 170, and um, it just wasn't there. And that was the first time that I hadn't seen that linear. I hadn't seen a PR after that progression, um, and yeah, it, that was sort of shocking because that was the first time I'd come into it. And obviously, you got to bounce back and understand that that's how it works. Um, but it, it can be. Are... Go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. It can definitely be a shock. No, that was all I was going to say. Yeah, are you a train? You're training at home, right? Yeah, so I I was at a gym and then COVID shut it down. And so I ended up just training from home. And now, I yeah, I wouldn't want to train anywhere else. There is a great gym nearby. It's just a little bit too far. Yeah, props to you, man. I had to do that for like a month or so. And not a fan. Not it, a fan. It's, um, it, the weights, are, like I think I said in another episode, the weights feel so heavy. And it sort of sucks in a way that it's hard to get motivated to go into your garage. Whereas... When I go to the gym, I like, you get the music in the car I and mean, when you're drinking your pre and then you get there and there's other people lifting and it's that whole environment. Whereas at home, it's like, go to the garage, move mum's car, clean up a little bit, turn my speakers on, get the lights going, put the fans on. And I don't want to seem, seem ungrateful because I love what I have, but it's, um, people like glorify it, but it's, it's not as good as most people think. Oh, 100%. And I think there are, there are a lot of studies that show if you don't, like, delineate between your work environment and your, uh, like, relaxing relaxing environment, mm. it's just, like, bad for productivity. Yeah. So abs- it's definitely harder than people think. Yeah. And just before we move on from before, you said you – we spoke about you only getting Instagram recently. Um, I had a thought it would be crazy if you just didn't get an Instagram at all and then turned up to, like, nationals or worlds – and just won, just won the 105s, and nobody even knew who you were. Obviously, you would have known a couple of people, but just <laughs> turn up to nationals and, and beat everybody. Um, I had Arthur on last week, and he's a 105. Uh, then I we were talking about his competition, and I didn't realize that you were a 105 until the day after. Um, where do you, just guessing, because like you said, you haven't, done a comp yet where do you stand compared to those guys that we spoke about in that last episode uh, i think not so high maybe like top five but like a lot of just instagram lifts and comp lifts are different it's mm. hard to it's hard to gauge especially since i haven't competed before yeah but i think my squats like in the mix my bench and deadlift are pretty high but i think to get the total that i want i really just need to excel at all three which is going to take a lot of a lot of work on my part, you know. So you're chasing that? I'm guessing the 800 total, or is it? Well, I think 
But being honest, I think that I could hit it now in comp if I just came in. It's not unachievable. I think a lot of people in the category could too. I think it's just there haven't been a lot of comps because of COVID. Mm. But I do have like an expectation that's beyond that. But again, it's just like injuries, not making the right decisions, programming have like held me back. And so with programming, like you said, you want to be a coach. So you got Instagram. Um, is coaching, do you think after coaching yourself, I guess programming yourself, you could call it, um, would you would you say that it has prepared you better for coaching other people? Um, because like what I found is um, I, I've had a few new guys come on board and it's the dynamic is so different for some people where it's just like, I've, if, if I compare two of my guys, they're the polar opposites and it's sort of nothing could have prepared me for that. Do you think that coaching yourself has helped for in that aspect? Yeah, I think to some extent it definitely has just because like when you're coaching yourself, you have an idea of like what goes through a lifter's head, especially like a young lifter. There's that constant battle of like trying to get those Instagram followers up or trying to hit those like heavy singles. I think everyone to some extent struggles with that. Mm. So obviously like that individual individualization is a big thing and not everybody's the same, but I think through coaching myself, I definitely have a better grasp of like some of the nuances that maybe older coaches might not understand. How long has it been now coaching yourself? So I've been training for like four years, but powerlifting specifically around like one and a half. Fuck. Well, that's embarrassing for me because I'm the same. <laughs> I, I think I'm three years and one and a half years. So half my time has been spent powerlifting. Um, how'd you get into powerlifting? Yeah. So I, I wrestled for like 10 years, like very competitively. So through wrestling, I had like, you know, lifting once in a while. And then I really started to enjoy it. And with lifting, one of the big things is that you start gaining weight Mm. and it starts becoming very difficult to stay competitive in sports that are weight specific and especially sports that don't require a lot of muscle mass like wrestling. And so like maybe three and a half, no, two years ago, I decided like, you know, I'm going to quit. And it was a big decision and I had a lot of hate for it, but I decided I wanted to get into lifting full time. And that's what I've been doing since. You, who was upset with you? Like the people in wrestling? Yeah, my coach, you know, all my friends from wrestling, but I think looking back was one of the best decisions I made, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, you said you're like, how competitive in wrestling? Would you say you were more competitive in that or powerlifting? I mean, I did like Greco-Roman, which isn't as popular as some of the other uh, wrestling types. So there wasn't as much competition, but I, I like placed at nationals a couple of times. So like pretty competitive. And roughly the yeah. same, because you'd place at nationals now, I'm assuming. Yeah. The powerlifting. Um, so you're, before you got Instagram and then when you got it, did you see a change in like your training? Because obviously now you follow your competitors and um, there's obviously like we could talk for forever about the effect that social media has on lifting, but um, did you notice like a change in your mentality or in, did it affect how you were coaching yourself? A hundred percent. And I think that's the big reason why I've gone through some of the injuries I have. So I decided, cause you know, you see coaches like Joey flex mm. who program singles each week. And I was like, you know, maybe I should try this mm. and it didn't work for me. And that's not a knock on singles. That's, that's a knock on me. You know, mm. I didn't do it correctly, 
and I got injured a lot of times, but I think I've through these injuries, I've learned that social media is stupid and instead you should focus on the long term, not the short term. You know, of course, it's sad when you see like your competition pulling or squatting more than you, but it's it's just mm. such a small deal. It's it's not important. What's your because what's your squat at now? So the most I've squatted is 291 in, okay. in kg. Which yeah, is pretty not good, but it's man, that sounds pretty good to me. I'd I'd take that any day. Um, because I know, um, your like same conversation as last week with Arthur. He would be a, your competition as well as Sean Grant. And then was it? Did he say Ashton? I can't remember the. Yeah, I think Ashton's still a, a junior. Yeah. So we'll we'll let him get a bit older. He can win it until he leaves. Um, but. So yeah, because I'm thinking, of, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. Grant and Sean squat 300, but then your deadlift would be bigger than theirs. I think you you pulled like 700 for like four or something like massive. Like, yeah. That- so the most I've put on kilos is I think like 325 on pounds. It's 340, but that was with like a, a Texas Power Bar, so it's not it's not the same. The I'm unfamiliar. Texas Power Bar different to a Olympic power or Ohio, whatever it's called. It's it's a bit whippier, so oh. it's it's not like uh, it's a IPF standard. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Well, one of the things that we were going to talk about was the bench press rules. Um, actually, no. Before we go there, I wanted to actually let's the social media thing. I want to know more because, like, I've been on social media since I started lifting. So I started out when I started out. I was just into the sport that I like wanted to do it myself, but not that much into it that I wanted to follow King of the Lifts. It sounds weird, but I followed them and then it got annoying in my feed. And so I unfollowed them. So if that gives you an idea of how into it I was now, I you know love that page. Um, so I've sort of been around in powerlifting since I was on social media. So I've seen everyone and it's been cool because I've watched like for example, with Aiden Roder, I've seen his bench go from subpar to now he's benching, like, because obviously that's his weak spot, and he's benching, you know, 150, 160, and that's up there with the rest of the 83 juniors, um, which has been great for me to, like, watch someone like that. And then, yeah, I sort of find with myself, obviously, like, I have you to compare myself to and Arthur and those guys because I'm, I'm actually heavier than you guys. I'm 110. Um but how how's your experience been? Like you said, it affected how you're coaching. Other than that, have you found that like? Well, you said it was a good. You said it was a good choice for you. So I just want to know, like, how other than coaching, how's it, how's it affected you? Well, definitely. Like, I think like the best example would be the uh, the TSA internship with Bryce. Mm. You know, I wouldn't have gotten that without Instagram. I also think that just getting your name out there and like the perception of who you are as a, as a person, not only as a lifter is an important thing. And I think for some kids, it's a bad thing. I'm not going to say people like specific people, but the way they may like put themselves out there is, mm. is not smart in the long term. So I, I think recently, especially recently, I've really tried to put out that perception of being like mature, being, you know, associated with like exercise science, which I think is a big thing. So I think if you set like a good standard for yourself and a good basis of like who you are, that can set you up for some good opportunities. Mm, absolutely. So 
um, you like with your Instagram, you don't have that many posts, but you do keep to yourself, which is one thing that I admire about you is that with all the flexing that you could do, you, you tend to keep to yourself. How did you come How did Bryce come across you for that internship? Like, did you have to apply or did he just pick? Yeah, so like I think in December he put out an Instagram post saying that he was going to do an internship program. So then I like texted my friends. I'm like, should I do this? And they were like, yeah, this is like the perfect opportunity. And there were two rounds of applications, and I was like, you know, I'm probably not going to get it just because like because of my age, and I'm a student. I don't have a degree in anything. But you know, I, I surprised myself. I tried hard on the application, hmm. and yeah. And so you got, you got through the, the two rounds of the applications and then did he give you feedback on like why you stood out from other people? Was there like a... Um, Not necessarily. I think like they sent out an email that's just like a broad email saying that you, know, yeah. you gave all the right answers. But just speaking personally, I think that, you know, I recognized my mistakes. First of all, that I haven't competed before or that you know, programming myself, I've made a lot of mistakes, but also that I'm like intellectually curious and I research a lot about the sport, a lot about like hypertrophy, which I think some people and coaches may miss. Mm. And I think those were maybe things that made me stand out a bit. That was um, funny you mentioned that. That's one of my points. Well, it's not one of my points, but <clears throat> we talk about the bench press rules later. I, I've put up a story recently on my Instagram. It was like people are too concerned with that Sean Noriega bench form like just build muscle build an upper body and if you can't arch as much because you're a bigger guy because you've built all that muscle mass fine it'd probably be just the same with the extra muscle mass like I think there's um it tends to happen more with smaller dudes where they're too concerned about their form and not concerned enough with hitting their dumbbell bench press after or getting bigger rear delts for like extra support and that sort of thing. I feel like if they just spent more time building some muscle in the off season, it would be, it would be a little bit easier when they come into that, that peak. Oh, a hundred percent. And I think that's a big, in my opinion, a big problem with powerlifting today is like hyper special specialization from an early age. Mm. You see lifters that, you know, go through like the intermediate phase and they start to slow down and their first response is to up their frequency of the complex. So they go from benching twice a week to like five times a week. And that works for a little while and then they stall and then they mm. think that or injury. all of a sudden, yeah, exactly. Or injury. And they think that all of a sudden there's some ad advanced lifter who has like some special case, but in reality, they just, I think didn't do their due diligence, mm. like some of the smaller lifts. Like for example, the way I look at it, let's say, let's say you have a big arch and the bench is a little bit slippery and you just slip out of that arch just a tiny bit. You could just tear a pec so easily because if you were to do that flat, you would never be able to bench that. Like, let's say, let's say 150. Let's say the little, a 74 and 83 or whatever, 150. They're in a huge arch or maybe, maybe a heavier, like 160, just going off the average. Um, and you slip a little bit. I'm, I'm not an anatomy expert, but that you could just tear a pec just off that little slip. Whereas if you had built more mass or whatever, you might, you might not be in that huge arch, but if you were to slip, maybe obviously you'd probably still fail, but you, maybe you would have come away injury free. I think that's a good point. I also think that 
your uh, heavier lifters also don't need uh, that high of a frequency, especially for bench press. And I think with that higher frequency comes overuse injuries and that wide grip, as like we'll discuss later with the uh, bench yeah, press yeah. rules. Yeah. I think that wide grip is just, it's dangerous in my opinion. And I just, mm. whenever I see that wide grip, it kind of freaks me out. Yeah, it, it, it does look scary on some guys. Like when I see it on, uh, not so much Sean, but like there's this one guy on Instagram, I can't even remember his name. He has like an anime profile picture, they all do. But um, he has this like just ridiculous bench arch. It's crazy. And yeah, the wide grip, it kind of makes me a little bit nervous. Like um, you see like the little shoulders and like the side of their chest. I'm like, oh, it just freaks me out a bit. Yeah. There's no hate on any of that stuff because I would do it. I would arch like that too if I could. But we'll, we'll talk about that Same. after. I want to talk about... I want to talk about your internship. So it was December and you got in and what has happened since then? So basically we've had two meetings so far. The first was just like a get to know you and the second was more of like the first lecture. It's like just semantics wise, it's like a 20 week course. So that's like pretty long, but it just covers the basics of coaching Mm. and also like some like, some of the basic stuff of like what a coach can do, what a coach can't do. Like a coach shouldn't, shouldn't be diagnosing injuries. They shouldn't yes. be diagnosing nutritional mm-hmm. um, like problems. They can give nutrition advice, but I think it's for myself, it's definitely a good thing because again, I coach myself and I can use a lot of these things. Hmm. So you've just had the intro and stuff. Um, is there like an out, like a desired outcome other than just learning? Is there, um, I, I don't know if Bryce has like a coaching team. I'm not as familiar with him as I'd like to be. Um, is there, other than just becoming better coaches than that, and obviously that's what you want to do, is there like another thing afterwards? So, yeah. Um, Bryce is part of like a four-person uh, team called mm-hmm. the Strength Athlete. Yeah, yeah. In their uh, like emails, they have hinted that they may be taking on like coaches for pay after the program, but nothing like set in stone. And I wouldn't expect it to be set in stone. Uh, they're like a very tight knit group. Mm. So, yeah, I, mean, I always see. Sorry, I always see TSA tagged on all these good lifters, and I just I knew it was a group, but I didn't realize it was Bryce as well. Yeah, and with my age, I wouldn't expect like a job or anything, but still grateful to like have this opportunity because not a lot mm. of people do. And it's good to have um, Bryce in your corner as well down the line. Maybe let's say you don't get it. Maybe he he thinks that uh, in a couple of years, you know, when you're you've been through competitions and you've had athletes for longer, then maybe you know. Um, I think I'm. I would love to have that opportunity. I'm doing my cert three and four right now. I'm not sure what the equivalent is for you guys. It's just like the personal trainer certificates. Okay. Um, because I want to work in a gym and while I'm studying, um. And you sort of, they're not the best things in the world. Like if you were to have no knowledge or just like very average knowledge, do your certificates and become a personal trainer, you would not be qualified. Like you'd be qualified, but you would not be qualified to train. Um, But there are some things like you mentioned, like I came across like um, programming for someone who's had their leg amputated or whatever. This is like very general stuff or an older client with like, um, knee pain and it's it's definitely like you can do as much research in a short period of time but there's that 
long period of time where you need to come across all different types of people and scenarios because it'll surprise you every time. There'll be something different about that person. They don't want to get up early to come to train with you. They don't, they drink on the weekend and on Monday they feel horrible. There's like a myriad of things that uh, different clients could have. And um, it's certainly something that you like come across. Uh, How long have you been coaching other lifters for? I don't coach anybody else right now. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a choice that you made because you just want to keep learning or? I honestly, like I wouldn't feel right taking somebody's money, especially since I haven't competed yet. I think that's a big thing. And no matter how much knowledge you have, I think that experience is definitely important. Mm, Yeah. Well, with the internship, it's 20 weeks and it's like, um, what's like, what's the content like? Not, not the content, but what is it like a structure to week by week? There's a different thing or. Yeah. So they put out a syllabus, like at the start of the course, there's one live lecture a week that for me is at 9 PM. So it's not terrible for some people. It's like at 3 AM cause they have some European. Yeah. 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 It's horrible. That'd be rough. But, uh, and then there's like discussion stuff, homework, uh, so I think it's it's pretty comprehensive, and what I like about it is that it's not like you're not having three meetings a week, you know, with school. That's definitely difficult. Mm. So it's one live lecture, and is there like stuff that you have to complete before that so that you can yeah. ask questions and stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um that sounds like school. So props to him for setting that up. Like that sounds like how my university is run, and that's government funded. So props to him for setting up like a a well-structured thing. I know, um, I don't know for sure, but I would guess that people selling, like other people selling courses would be sort of just a cash grab. Like, I, I don't know for sure, but that it sounds like he's really putting a lot into that. Yeah, definitely. I think that uh, as a person, Bryce is definitely very hardworking mm. and it comes across in, in what he's teaching. Is he a 120? He's a 105. Okay, and well, where does he stand? Because I know I've only see, I feel like I only see his deadlift in my feet. I know it's pretty big, like seven hundred yeah, uh, plus. I'm pretty sure uh, he won nationals in 2019. He's also a world champion, I think. Yeah, world wow. champion. So I think with uh, King of the Lifts, they tend to promote uh, Ashton and Rondell, mm. and it's easy to get like clouded in in their shadows. But Bryce is like definitely up there. Mm. Um, one thing I like about Bryce's Instagram is he's got that beautiful camera and it's always perfectly fo- like I'll come across like some strong dude but he's recorded on a you know yeah. like a five-year-old yeah. seven-year-old phone and it's like shaking and they don't crop it if the video's not cropped I'm gonna keep scrolling if, if I have yeah. to wait for your setup and your belt and your ammonia I'm not watching it I'm just going I don't have the, I don't have the patience um so you mentioned before with college other than uh your internship like through the week you have school as well what are you studying yeah so I'm a physics major thankfully I mean, some people might not like this, but it's all online because of COVID. Mm. But I would have to be traveling to school anyway, so it, it takes out that travel time. Mm. So I, I definitely think that's a pro. How far are you? Maybe like 45 minutes, but just mm. traveling is, is a mess. That's the same with me. I'm, I'm probably a 30-minute drive. If Like if you were to drive straight to the university, it'd be like 30 minutes. But... If there's traffic, it can be like, like the other day I tried to go to uni and the two 
different ways out of my suburb were both blocked up with so much traffic. I just turned around and came home and did the online one. It's, it's just, uh, yeah, it, it can, it, and with training it can be such a hassle too, because like, say I have a, a um, 11 a.m. lecture. That's when I like, I want to eat my first, my first meal at like 10, 30, 11. But if I've got to drive to get there, you know, like I'll eat breakfast at eight and then I have to yeah. get ready, get there, lecture. And I won't get to eat again till like two when I get home. So that's, it definitely, um, like I've done online uni now for the whole time, actually the last six months. It, the only, the only good thing I found about it was I can just eat when I want. Yeah. I think that's a big pro. And, uh, when I was in uh, high school, I don't know what the equivalent is for you guys, but I, I wouldn't eat lunch. So it's a definitely sucked. You didn't, you just chose not to, or you didn't at high school? Well, yeah. In high school, like we had the option to take, uh, no lunch so you could just take another class instead so i would just do that oh man i was um yeah. in high because i well we're the same age i'm 18 as well mm. i so two years ago whatever i yeah i was just getting into it so like just towards the end and i just thought chicken and rice would be my best friend and just because of how lazy well not lazy it's just at the at the time me getting into powerlifting did not compare to my grades of it because i I wanted the best grades possible. So I would just save time and do like chicken and rice, just chicken and rice, and then try to get through that at lunch. We'd have like a 40-minute lunch and I would barely get through it just because it was so disgusting. Yeah, it is horrible. I, yeah. I know you're paying. And I still eat chicken and rice now, but I'll get like um, the packet chicken that's got flavoring and it's good. Like it, I think um, like once like one of my meals a day, I'll just have something boring that's just super macro efficient and that way I can eat a little bit easier for the other few meals. Yeah, I think that's a good idea, especially with like uh, adherence. Mm. If you're eating all, all boring meals throughout the day, it's it's really easy to fall off of that. Mm. I, I found like, um, and this sounds like flexing or whatever, but I sort of have never had an issue with the nutrition. So like I know, I know some guys who have had massive issues with eating and they just can't seem to consistently do it. But like when I think about it, other than tra training is like the easy part that everyone loves doing. But there's, in my opinion, like if, if you have a good sleep schedule, that shouldn't even be in your head that you have to sleep. Like you, that should just be like, it's just done already. So the only other possible thing that you could be doing is eating because unless you're managing an injury, whatever. So it's just in my head because I, I sleep well, there's training and then there's eating and training super fun. So if I have to do something boring because or, or tedious and that's how success works in every different thing, there's always one thing that you have to do that you might not like doing, then it's going to be eating. And if I have to eat chicken and rice because I don't, I can't, you know, like they're, they're the cheapest option too. Like as a student, chicken yeah. and rice is like the cheapest thing. And that if one thing's going to suck, I'm fine with it being nutrition. Oh, definitely. I think a lot of people have a problem with that just because they're trying to gain so much weight or lose weight. And powerlifting, that's definitely a, a big thing. Mm. But, I mean, props to you, man. Well, it's it's not that I eat bad. Like, I live at home, so well, yeah, my, same, same. my mum cooks dinner and it's always, like, something great. But, yeah, the, the my first and second lunch... If I have to, if I'm in, if I'm in class, 
Like there was a day last trimester where uh, I had an eight till five just in front of in front of this screen in this exact position. And so I would get like, there was an, an hour gap and like a 15 minute gap. So I would in, in that hour cook and eat and then in that second hour, maybe go heat up something that I had left over. And it was just too easy to not do rice cooker and reheated chicken from before. And, you know, I could probably, ma- I could probably manage yeah. it better. But as a student, like I have a few years left at uni and you will as well. You're only 18. Um, I, I won't be able to do it that whole time. So I want to learn to prep and cook and, and like cook well just to get through it. Cause I won't be able to, I won't be able to keep it up for that length of time, but with online uni, I've certainly, um, yeah, had, had to manage with the time that I had. Yeah. I think for me as well, a big thing for me is recognizing that I'm not always going to have it this easy, you know, living at home, not making all my meals and not traveling to school is definitely a big pro and it's going to get harder. But Mm. I think, as you said, like having that adherence, and getting ready like to to prepare beforehand is is a big part of it i th- i think on the other hand like i'll probably move out in about a year um i think when you can't rely on the food that is it like i know if i walk out there now there'll be like a few different types of meat and all the different carbs that i could possibly want in the in the in the kitchen but and then when it comes to like once a week when we're out of that stuff and then I'm, you know, I'm stuffed because we don't have it in the house. But I think if I was to move out, then I would be thinking all the time, oh, like, do, did I buy, you know, because I'll be doing the shopping and I'll be checking all the time, I think, in that aspect, although it might be expensive and no one's going to be cooking dinner for me, um, I'll know because I'll be the one taking care of it, you know. Yeah, I think also in like, I'm not sure how it is um, in Australia. You're in Australia, right? Yeah. But like in America, like the university culture, there's like food trucks on every corner, like very cheap, but just very unhealthy food. And I think like once you get out of like the home, it it definitely becomes harder. So I don't know if you have you been on campus yet or much at all? Just a bit. So so I've been going recently because we've been opening back up and we have... I don't know if you guys have Guzman and Gomez. It's a Mexican thing. So there's this breakfast burrito and I always think, oh, like I'll save my money. But every time I go there, it's bacon and egg on this. It's so good. And I always get so tempted because I'm like, oh, I've got a two hour lecture. Like I need to eat now. But there's the the aspect of going to eat, the temptation with university. And like it fits my macros fine, but it's just the money aspect as well. Like the cost of driving there, the cost of the public transport, like the tram and then me inevitably buying takeout while I'm there. Um, yeah. I think, uh, unfortunately university might perpetuate the idea that like nutrition's an afterthought, mm. which for powerlifters is, is a big problem. Mm. Um, I think on that note, a lot of people do, they undermine the power of nutrition. Like it doesn't take much. I think it's more important for bigger guys because over the course of a day you have to, Obviously, you eat more food than like a, you know, a little guy. Uh, I don't mean that. I don't say that demeaningly. Um, No, I understand. But if I was to miss a meal, that would be such a huge portion of my daily intake. So like if some guy is eating only 3,000 calories and he misses a meal, it's 
just simply not that big compared to yeah. like, if I miss a meal, that's going to be um, 170 carbs and like 800 calories. And that's such well, how, a... How, much, how many calories do you eat a day? So I'm... So this meat that I have coming up, I'm... Right now, I'm 110 and I'm five... Uh, four weeks out, five weeks out. So I'm either thinking... I'll go up and I'll just be like 112 kilos and just be in the 120s or I can, because my thought, my thought process has been don't bother cutting unless you're going to be competitive. So I always see, and I think I spoke about this already. I always see guys cutting just for note, just to come like ninth. Okay. Like if you really want to be in that category, fine, but you should, in my opinion, just compete the category up until you want to be competitive as long as you don't let your weight go out of control, then drop. Um, so I'm at like 111 at night and I have to make the decision between competing just two kilos above or just whatever, like have fun or cutting a couple of kilos, maybe just of water. I don't know how I'm going to do it yet. Um, and then, because if I get tested on the day, if I get drug tested, it'll be national records because I'm in the deadlift bar federation like the uspa but Mm -hmm. australia um so i would not be competitive in i in ipf standard comps but i would i would have national records um i think the bench record is like 173 so i want to bench 175 yeah Um, um but yeah that's it's going to be tough also with um that sort of thing with university so if i 100 I have to, because I've never done it before. So I'm nervous in that I don't want to stuff it up because that's going to affect my lifts. So have you have yeah. have you had done like a cut? I know you haven't competed, but have you done that sort of thing before? Not recently for wrestling I did. And that was like a big thing for me is that like weight cutting should be personal preference of how far you're willing to go. Mm. Obviously, if you're like competing in the world, like you're going to have to cut the weight like it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, but for some people, it's it's very difficult to to not eat as much as they're used to, and it's a mental battle. And I think, like when you're dealing with lifters or whatnot, you really have to deal with it at an individual level. Mm. But for me, I've like if you look at all the top 105s, like at my age, they're all like humongous. They're all like yes. six foot, six foot one. I'm like five seven. So for me, it's oh, like lucky. There's yeah. I can eat into a weight class and I'm fine. Like right now I'm at like 102 kg, mm. which is well under it. So I think I'm okay. I was going to say, you must be short because you look about three meters wide. So, cause you look, if you were six foot, you'd be like, you'd look like 120 kilos. So you're, um, yeah. Okay. So you're one of those guys who gets annoyed at tall people for going, oh, I'm tall. Actually, no, I feel like, that's like tall lifters. Sorry, not not short lifters. I feel like um, because like I'm six three, so okay. I'm uh I'm I like I'll see like guys who are like five eleven, and they're like oh, I'm so tall and like this is so hard. It's yeah. like yeah, well maybe add another four inches and have long legs, and then like so like my squat is my I probably squat five hundred now, but like compared to my other two lifts, it's pretty unimpressive. But yeah, it's still a lot, you know. It well. Like, it's not... Obviously, I can't give my opinion on what it's like lifting short because I'm not sure. I'm, But, like, 
I don't go into the gym and I'm not inconvenienced by my height. You don't feel it. You don't see it happening. You don't feel it. Maybe, maybe I do have to squat um, subjectively, distance, subjectively yeah. more distance compared to like you, but it's not that big of a deal. I think at like the uh, competitive level, like genetic differences play a huge role. Mm. Oh yeah, especially like if you look at like the top one hundred fives in the open, like I think Ashton is like my height, mm. so it makes a difference. Yeah, but I think if you're using that as an excuse or as like a hindrance, mm. you're definitely looking at it the wrong way. Yeah. there's nothing you can do about it at the end of the day. Well, like you're being five seven. Like my coach is, he's probably five seven, five eight, and he's an eighty three. So you must be like a giant. A big part of my programming is is hypertrophy. Yeah, like so much of it, and I think that's a, a huge deal. Because you're one of the you're one of the lifters where like I'll see like you bench like one eighty or whatever, and I'm like he looks like he should be benching one eighty, and I'm not a I don't hate on the arch or anything, but like you do look like you look like you lift, which is I think, and when we do talk about the bench press rules, one of the things, well, I guess we can talk about it now. Um, one of the things with the bench press is, and if we're talking about getting new lifters into the sport, you have to consider, like, this is an argument in support of changing the rules that people will get butt hurt. Because I see, like, a Jim Bro comment on a big arch. He's like, oh, he doesn't look like he should be lifting yeah. that weight. He's got, where's his muscle mass? He shouldn't be benching four plates. Blah, 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 blah. And I think that, in a way, acts as a deterrent because they think it's silly um, and maybe w- more why strong man is more popular because you it's cool to see some seven you know whatever how tall giant lifting 450 kilos because it looks yeah. there's a whole idea of like masculinity being strength and size in in this aspect of physical like physical masculinity whereas some powerlifters just have strength and mm-hmm. And obviously, it comes from jealousy. Like, if you're a gym bro, you're hating on an arch. Usually, they bench more than you, and it's jealousy. Um, what's your stance on the on the rules? So, in my opinion, I think, like, if a federation is deciding whether or not to add a rule or not, first and foremost, their, like, focus should be on the lifters in the federation themselves and what's best for the lifters that are actually competing, mm. not people that want to compete, not what we may perceive to be like people that we can get into the sport. I also just think that right now we don't have the technology to make objective decisions as to what's fair and what's not. And I think that's a big part of it because once you start to add in these like rather arbitrary rules of like what's depth or what's going too low, you just muddy the sport even more. And I, I think that would be a big issue. Well, before they before they published the video, I'd never really thought about it. I never thought because like when you see a short a sport go mainstream, there's always the aspect of like social media that just makes it just cringe and like ruins it. Like if you go on TikTok, there's basketball TikToks. Yeah. And it's just like I, the last thing I want is powerlifting being mainstream, but I'm studying exercise physiology, which is three years of exercise science and then one year of physiology prac. And I want to be a coach and I want to be a powerlifting coach full-time eventually. In that aspect, I think bring more people into the sport 
But then I think one thing that's great about powerlifting as it is, is that the people who are in the sport are very driven. There's not a lot of powerlifters who just do it for fun. Most people compete, want to compete, and they 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 do like the rules. Like, there's not many... I don't feel like powerlifters are complaining about the bench press rules. I think normal people are, compa- like, making fun of powerlifters. But fine, yeah, like, just, you, they, can mm-hmm. make, they can make all the fun they want. I don't care. Like, just don't... Do, don't do the sport. If you don't... Like, fine, don't do it. But... Yeah, I, yeah. Uh-huh. But go on, what are you going to say? Yeah, I think that, like, the proposed rule change was that, like, everyone up until the 93s would, like, have to go a little bit closer. But I just think that's too arbitrary. And, like, for example, do you know who uh, Jonathan Keiko is? Yes. He's a 93 kg lifter, and his range of motion is much shorter than, like, Russell Orkey, who's an 83. Yeah. Yeah. But Keiko wouldn't have to move his grip in. And I'm sure there are billions of examples like that. And once you have that, like, set that rule change, it just makes you think, like, what are some of the other rules and why are they in powerlifting? Like, for example, like, why are the plates the size that they are? You know, it's just arbitrary. Yeah. Or why, why in some federations can't you have, like, a thumb loop in your wrist wraps? Yeah. I think that's, that's a big issue because once you start making these rules – that aren't objective or don't have the technology that makes them like standard, you're just making the sport worse. I think you mentioned if we change this rule, what will happen to the other rules? They made the argument that sumo wouldn't get changed. Like Johnny says, well, you guys might ask, let's change sumo, etc." And he said that studies had shown the EMG activation in sumo was the same as the EMG activation in a conventional deadlift. And that makes sense, obviously, if you understand EMG, it understand how it works. Not everyone does, though. Not everyone is studying exercise science or has even Googled that or even has ever heard of it before. I only heard of it six months ago when I was studying Foundation of Exercise Science. So to understand, like, there's a process where you have to go through the steps. So it's, do I know what EMG is? Okay. Do I care what EMG is? And then it's like, how are we going to not change sumo based off just the EMG activation? Is, is a, is a gym bro going to look at sumo and go, okay, it has the same EMG as a conventional deadlift. It doesn't look silly. I take back what I said before. It doesn't look silly because Johnny said that it's got the same EMG activation. Like, do if, if we're talking about bringing in new people to the sport to monetize it so coaches can make more of a living, which I agree with as a coach, I want, I want the money when I'm older. I want yep. more money, obviously. But if we're going to target outsiders, how are we going to make an argument that is so strength sport specific to support not changing sumo? Are there average gym bros that actually care is there reasoning for sumo being silly because they thought the EMG activation was less? Like, I don't understand why that would be an argument. Yeah, I think a lot of it is just like, from an outside perspective, not having the necessarily necessary knowledge of like tackling what's going on in a sport. Like, as you brought up, EMG. EMG is only part of it. I think that uh, like sumo obviously is a shorter range of motion. You could have higher EMG activation in sumo for some muscle groups, 
Mm. But that doesn't mean that it's not going to be easier. So I think a lot of it is just like our perceptions of, you know, what should a lift look like? Like what's a deadlift or what's a bench? And for most people, that's going to be like a long range of motion bench and a conventional deadlift. But mm. does that matter? As of right now, I don't think it does because we don't have the necessary technology mm. to like restrict it correctly. I think like this is just, let's say there's eventually we have technology where there's like an invisible little like line and, and in the bench press, the elbows have to, like, I know that's, it doesn't make sense, but like yep. say the elbows have to, they have to like touch the little line that's shooting through, like if, in the future, you know, fine. Think about it then when we have the capabilities. But if you've, well, you would have been to a meet, like you haven't competed, but if you've been to a meet, they usually poorly run and it's behind schedule and there's people standing in the way of the live stream, um, at least in Australia and some of the meets it is. Um, we don't have the capabilities for that sort of technology, like you said. But um, there was, John mentions in the video that there was a, um, the basketball rules were changed when some dude dunked from the three-point line. I can't yeah. remember exactly yeah, what he I, said. Yeah, so they changed the rules because that was that guy was gonna change the way that the game was played because he was just so genetically gifted that it was such an outlier that it it wasn't gonna upset many people to change it because it was like one of them that could do it. This this tall guy, I don't even know who he was, but in that aspect, like the whole idea of the sport is to be genetically gifted as well as training well, etc. And it's not one dude that dunked from the three-point line. It's most of the guys who weigh 83 or less. It's most of them. And if and if they don't have a huge arch, they're trying to get one. And I think it goes both ways in the argument that, like, if we did this, it would upset a lot of our lifters. And it would. I, like, it's not, not me because... I'm heavy, yeah. mm -hmm. but there's, I don't care, but there is going to be a lot of people who do care. And there might be people who leave the sport because they were placing at nationals because they had a huge bench. They're a bench specialist. They had a massive bench. They were placing not at a, not at a top level, but nationals or, or in their state. And then all mm -hmm. of a sudden they can't arch. So they can't place. So they're not having fun. And then they're like, okay, well, I'm going to just, I'm not going to compete anymore. And then we lose we lose one person from that. And I think you might be pleasing some people by changing it, but there's going to be a lot of people who are upset. Yeah, I think a lot of it is also like genetic differences and like how you frame them. For some people, they harp or like our sport right now, I think through this argument is trying to harp on like genetic differences or like how people manipulate like uh, anatomy in certain ways like to the benefit of the sport. And in in some ways, I think it's just like ghost hunting. Like you're trying to leach this perception of what you want the sport to be, but it's never going to be like that. Mm. And ultimately the idea of changing the sport to make it more appealing to the general public is, is just flawed in, in essence, in my opinion, yeah. because what's up, appealing to the general public is, is ever changing. It's not, it's never going to be the same thing. And you're, as I said before, your first focus should be on the lifters in the community itself, not not people who might join the sport or people that are thinking of joining the sport. Because I think if we're being honest, powerlifting is never going to be, it's not going to be football or it's mm. not going to be basketball. So Yeah. In that aspect, like, 
I am not a financial expert, but the way obviously powerlifting is growing and they want it to grow faster and to be bigger. But down the road, like surely there has to be another like down the road, let's just say it continues growing at the rate that it is in 10 years, there might be like objectively more money in it than there is now, like compared to the population, obviously through like, um, people, uh, like fundraisers for, um, comps where, uh, viewers can donate extra money for the winner or like, cause I would, if I was watching a meet and my friend was in it, I'd put in 10 bucks or $20 mm-hmm. And if, you know, if everyone's, if, if 20 people watching do that, there's an extra prize pool for the, for the lifter. Like I think changing the rules of the bench press is such a specific thing when there's probably more routes to go down and the sport is only so young where it hasn't, yeah. we haven't, not we, I don't feel like I should say we, but it hasn't been given long enough time to like grow and and with social media becoming more and more popular, like that's just marketing. Mm. It doesn't need, like if you leave it long enough, there could be one stupid TikTok trend of powerlifting and all of a sudden there's more people want to do it. Or like there's a hundred different things that could happen to help the sport grow. I just feel like changing grip width was is just, yeah, 100%. just a little too specific. I, I don't know, like... I don't mind what they do. I don't care. Like I said, you won't either. You're heavier. But, yeah. Yeah. I think it, it unnecessarily hurts the sport in a way that is is not a good good reflection of, like, the federation. I think what a good thing is is that powerlifting, at least in America, the primary powerlifting federation is natural. And I think that's a big, a really good thing in getting the sport as far as you can mm. because – one argument I've made before is that, like, if you look at bodybuilding, the main bodybuilding federation or organization is not natural. And and yeah. bodybuilding is never going to be mainstream. Yeah. So I think powerlifting is definitely going on a good route of, of, like, promoting natural lifters. And I also think that's, like, a good consideration for getting it into the Olympics, obviously. But I think... And I think with bodybuilding, like, on that point, they don't need to have a natural... Obviously, natural bodybuilding, in my opinion, it's boring. I would much rather... It's terrible. I would much rather see the only natural bodybuilder that I've ever been impressed by. Not ever, but like um, his Instagram is Coach Kendall. He he was in a Jeff Nippard video. He he looks like... Yeah? Mm -hmm. If he's natural, that dude is insane. Like you can pass a drug test, whatever. But that guy is crazy. Um, And I think bodybuilding doesn't need that. Um, financial, it doesn't need to be natural because the money is in everyday people getting into bodybuilding because you can, because if you go to the gym and you work out to get thin, all you need to do is hire a bodybuilding coach and you don't have to change much except they'll just change the nutrition and maybe they'll teach you how to execute better, execute the exercise. Your training can stay almost exactly the same. And every, most people go to the gym, like, I don't know, out of the percentage, you know, most people go to the gym and the, from the very start, the aim is to get thinner as a girl or to get bigger as a guy. And it doesn't change when you go into bodybuilding. The girls want to get leaner and the guys want to get bigger and leaner. But with powerlifting, you'd have to change everything. If you were a normal gym guy, like you just went to the gym, you did a bro split, whatever, you'd have to change everything. 
and and that's i think that's the thing with bodybuilding is that all the money is in coaching which is fine because there's heaps of there's heaps more people doing bodybuilding than there is powerlifting and i think it's just simply because it is so similar to what people have already been doing yeah and i think both in bodybuilding and in powerlifting if you look at like the top guys they're not making their money through the sport there is prize money in bodybuilding that's considerably more than powerlifting mm. but they're making money through like sponsorships and all that like if you look at uh you know russell or he obviously mm. yeah like he's making money from his brand his gym and it's always going to be like that there's not going to be like professional powerlifters who make like uh, six figures a year just by lifting it's, it's never going to be like that can i just note sorry can i just note Russell or his merch. So I bought this Sean this shirt off Sean and he shipped it to me for twelve dollars. I don't know if you've looked at the GBT shipping, but to Australia, Sean Sean charged me like eleven seventy to get this shipped over here. And that was like five percent profit for him, whatever it was. I actually had a conversation with him because um, I was his first two XL, which I was very happy about. Nice. Um, but I was, I wanted to buy Sean's, I mean, Russ's, um, vintage, like oversized tea. Cause they're, they're cool. And he was going to charge me $60 and they use the same company to ship. So Sean was, I think he said like 2.5 or 5% like increase, obviously for him to make money on the shipping, not, not the cost of the shirt, yeah. but Russ was charging an extra $50, mm-hmm. which I mean, is, yeah, it just speaks to business practice. I mean, it's part of it. Yeah. I just I just think, like, you know, he's paying off his gym, whatever. But I just wanted to know, that's why I'm wearing the No Bad Days and not the GBT brand. Yeah. If the shipping was... But it just speaks to, like, the community as well. Like, Sean obviously cares so much about his lifting. Like, if you go into his YouTube, he's replying to comments about yeah. shoe sizes at just at the bottom of his comment section. Whereas... And I'm not hating on Russ, but like you can't even oh, really totally. get a you yeah. can't even really get a reply in his comment section. Like I asked him on his brand, which is a smaller page, I made a comment about shipping and like if it's going to come down when the, as the brand becomes more profitable. You can't even get a reply from him, and I think it shows to um, I think the the lifters in the sport need to some lifters need to change their attitude and the the way they interact with the other lifters in the sport because i think that's one part of it well not to get like too theoretical but that's it's just that's just going to be an aspect of like our economic system you know like people don't care about the individual if if you're making money you're always and you have like a a consistent client base you don't need to care about answering one person's email so which is unfortunate because with how small powerlifting is you would think like, obviously, I'm not going to comment on a basketball player's post and expect to get a reply. But when I comment on a powerlifter's post about a, his business, I would expect a reply. Maybe he missed it, whatever. But I have commented a few times just asking why it's so expensive to get it shipped to Australia because I want to buy his stuff and support him. Um, but we can't get a reply. I don't know. I just feel like at the size of the sport, that as it is, you should be able to get in contact with, yeah, he's the world champion. And it seems like, how would you ever contact a world champion? But that's not a huge deal in powerlifting. It's not yeah, as... I, mm, 
I think that unfortunately it's just a part of the sport becoming more mainstream, mm. you know, is, is you have like these people that you idolize that you might not never get close to. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. And I think, um, like that's no hate on Russ. I was just a little annoyed. Like I was like, Oh, maybe it costs a heap to ship to Australia. No, when... that is annoying. Yeah. It's yeah. Annoying. But, and then I found out from Sean that when I bought this, how cheap it was. And I was like, Oh, that's pretty annoying. Um, but I think Russ has been great for the sport because the gym and the brand and it, the way he markets himself, it is very non-powerlifter friendly in that he's a cool guy. Um, he posts about his shoes and fashion. So there's like a whole different aspect of his Instagram where um, not, like people who don't powerlift it can, can relate to him as well. Mm. And I think... Um, I'm sure he's got people into the sport because he makes those sick YouTube videos where Duhan makes those edits like that yeah. anyone can relate to. I think if a lot of the top guys started um, marketing themselves in a more relatable way, that would help the sport as well, like like Russ does. Yeah, I just think that there's not enough money in it, you know? That's mm. a big issue. Is that like, like, are you getting out what you're putting in? And I think in this case, like if you putting in so much work in a video and you're not seeing like an increase in profit or whatnot, it's probably not worth it. Mm. I think, um, one of the, one of the things about it not being profitable, it is like some people make a living out of it. Um, is that it shows who's willing to do what. So like Sean puts out a YouTube video about like, I just finished before we did this episode, I watched Sean's, how, like uh, how to the improve your, one. The, yeah. yeah and it's like he might get 10,000 views and he'll make I don't know how YouTube works in that way but next to nothing off that video because yeah. I used Adblock and I'm sure everyone else does um, but and but it's still such a comprehensive video even if he was out of focus for half of it um, yeah. <laughs> he you, it's really clear to see that he's getting probably no return on that video, but he still puts so much effort into it and he really cares that, and that's why I wouldn't mind if the rule got implemented. It, like, let's say it works. I think people like him deserve that as well. Like, cause they just put in so much effort with little to no return outside of their coaching business. Obviously he makes money from coaching, but there's those extra things on YouTube where you make basically nothing. Yeah. But it's so helpful to the sport. Yeah, I think it also like speaks to him as a person a bit. Like, I'm not sure if you've seen his video about like uh, his like school experience at MIT. I, I watched some of it, but then I, I don't know. It was such a long video, I just stopped. Yeah. So MIT is like in America, it's like an mm. amazing school. Yeah. Also, it was because I didn't know what that was. Yeah. So I think um, him um, not pursuing like a medical career like he wanted. And instead of going into powerlifting, like is is motivating for some people because I think they see like this path of like education being in school for like like twenty years is just daunting. Mm. And I think the way he shows that that's not necessarily the case. It doesn't have to be. Is a is a really good thing. I think the the whole idea, like what got me into wanting to coach, was that. And it's hard to speak on it because I'm not a proper coach yet, but like the lifestyle where you can work from home and there's like zero business costs. You can mm -hmm. do it from a laptop. And I'm not saying that in like a lazy way because that to me, like sitting, being able to work from my house 
looking outside while I program, that seems like something that would be amazing. And, and I think if, if, if school is scary to you, like I'm at uni and you, so are you, but like for some people it is scary. And if you want to, you can create, although it's not a heap of money, you can create a lifestyle out of it where <clears throat> the, the lack of that extra money might be made up, made up for by the lifestyle that you live. So I'm prepared to make slightly le- like I would make. I'll probably end up making less as a coach. Obviously, there's super successful guys like Joey and Sean, but I would probably make less as a coach than I would as a physio because physio in Australia is like ninety grand, um, which is less in USD. Um, but it's the lifestyle where I don't have to go into a clinic at seven in the morning and leave at six at night. Yeah. Um, because I can, I'll be able to do it from home, or I'll be able to do it from a gym or my gym in the future. So yeah, it it's although the sport is only small, the people who do make a living out of it probably do live really enjoyable lives. They all seem to really love what they do. Yeah, and I think like I read a, a statistic somewhere that in America, like at some point, ninety percent of people don't enjoy their jobs, mm. and that's just like it's just a horrible figure. And I think it really is. finding finding what you enjoy is so it's so mm. difficult just because of the pressure people put on you i always so, see on sorry yeah. go ahead i always see on instagram with people like there's motivational accounts whatever they'll be like um d- like put it just that messages like don't go down the mainstream path if you don't want to you can pursue your own thing and it's like that does seem super scary if, but like no, i've sure. done it where i was <clears throat> i was taking legal studies at school and I got the, the grades where I could have been a lawyer. Um, I don't know how hard it is to be a lawyer in America, but it's quite hard here. And yeah, I, definitely. yeah. So I, I put in that work and like I was going to do law and that's easy money, like not easy money. Once you've done the work, there's plenty of money there. Um, but now that I've chosen to go down a different path where I want to be a coach, which is incredibly unstable, it's there could not be a less stable job. Like people can leave at any time all of your athletes could leave at any time. Um, but it's that lifestyle where like now I've gone down an extra path and I started posting on Instagram, which was hard for me because um, I was made fun of at school for, you know, like when I first po- started posting, I was still at school and I was made fun of. And then obviously not being a great public speaker and then starting a podcast was hard. And awesome though, dude. Yeah, I mean, That's I've cool. really enjoyed it and, and the more I do it, I, I enjoy it more. Um, but like, yeah, if you want to go down that, that path that is scarier in and, um, less stable, just help do things to help yourself. Like me doing my certificates, I'm at university with a degree that's going to help me coach. I've started coaching, um, like beginners. I I would, I don't want to use that word, but like they're not intermediate powerlifters. Um, and uh, the podcast and I started posting, I'm just going to start my own YouTube series of um, the gold. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, if you go down that hard path, you have to be prepared for like doing things that you're uncomfortable with and doing things with no return. Like that video I posted got like 50 views and it's like, fine, like that you got to start somewhere. Um, yeah. But like, I'm sort of like the message I'm trying to like put out there is like, I went down that path that was harder and less stable, but I've really enjoyed the things I did and I'm prepared to keep doing this with little return. 
like my my first episode of the podcast is almost at 300 views which is nothing for a youtube video but i'm prepared to keep doing it yeah to eventually make something for myself yeah and i think unfortunately no matter what path you go down it's going to be hard you mm. know it's it's yeah. not going to be easy no matter what mm. and so i think if you if you really do genuinely enjoy what you do though it does make it a bit easier mm. yeah well, that's the thing. Like, I love all the stuff that I'm doing. I love the YouTube videos and making these podcasts and, you know, eventually, hopefully I get something out of it. But for now, it's just fun while I'm doing it. Yeah. Definitely good practice though, so. Yeah. It, it's um, like the first, like I think we, I told you already, but the first episode, like I was shitting myself. I was so nervous because I was worried about Zoom and old camera and light and mike and yeah but it's becoming more and more fun and i'm enjoying it more and more as i do it yeah um definitely but um have you got any places to be because it's been an hour if you want to keep nah, it on. man yeah nah, we can keep going. yeah so i had other questions for you um one of them was about college but you said you're online so it's um been easy for you in that you don't have to travel and you can eat and stuff like that um your comp- do you have competitions planned for this year? Because obviously you haven't competed yet, yeah. but you'd like to. Yeah, so I was planning on doing one in March, but unfortunately, uh, I got like injured pretty badly in January with my pec, and then like a couple weeks later, I had like a bit, pretty bad calf injury, which is like the craziest thing to happen in powerlifting. But a calf injury. <laughs> yeah, I, I have no idea how it happened. But it sumo? Not from uh, squatting. I think uh, I use like. Uh, squat shoes mm. and i'm always like on my toes and i think it just i don't even know oh it's, it's maybe like um your knee was like i'm trying to think like anatom like anatomically your knees went too far forward that it like strain your know, ankle I, a bit That's... i just stood up and i felt like the sharpest pain in my calf and went home yeah but yeah so now the plan is to like see how the next two training blocks go which is like eight weeks if i see continuous progress then i'll sign up for a meet around june but if hope i i think that'll happen because mm. most of my lack of progress was just from overtraining and mm. doing too much and I, I think i'll fix that now mm. i'd love to see you compete i want to see um i'm uh, there's all that drama right now with the nationals and whatever but i want to see you and arthur and Ashton and Sean and Grant all at the same meet. I want to see what happens there because it's super hard to track on Instagram with like who's like I'll see um, Sean has like the biggest squat, but then uh, Arthur has like an almost an eight hundred pound deadlift, and it's like you and you have probably the biggest bench. I want to. I just want to see it. It's easier for me if I just have to get, see it on all on the same stage. Yeah, I think that. Uh... I might be wrong about this, but I think Grin is uh, going 120. He's a big dude, mm. so that makes sense. Mm. But um, yeah, I think that I just need to put together like training blocks where I'm not injured, and I think I'll be fine. Mm. Well, um, yeah, it's not like you're even lacking behind them. It's just that you've had those complications with injuries and stuff. I'm sure if you put together a few good blocks, injury-free, you'd be... Well, yeah, it's, I think right now it's hard, you know, it's definitely hard to see like all the training is going so well and you know, mine isn't, but everyone has those periods. Mm. It's, it's just part of the sport. Mm. I'm in the, in the space where like, so I'm, I'm heavier than you, slightly heavier than you, but like, 
um, I have to keep reminding myself, you've only been doing this for a year. You, you had your, um, you got a coach like a year ago. So just take, like I got a coach like 13 months ago. So it's like, I need, I need that time. Like mentally, I, because I should at my weight be lifting what you're lifting. But um, I need to keep reminding myself that I haven't been doing it for as long as most of the guys on that I see on Instagram. And I think that's a big thing with people. It's like, I'm sure if, if I'm getting myself down about not being as strong as you, then there's someone who isn't as strong as me who's doing the same. I think you've got to, you've got to always remind yourself uh, how long they've been doing it. What access to equipment do they have? Are they natural? There's always that one. Um, Is how, how hard is their life compared to yours? Are they just lifting all the time? Like what else are they doing? There's a thousand things that go into it. And I I think, think go ahead. No, 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 Yeah, I was going to say that I think a big part of it is just being patient. And most of the reason or most of the reasons why people don't like come to fruition in their like what they want to achieve is because they give up and they see like all these lifters that are achieving things now. And they say like, oh, I want it now. I want it now. But Mm. it's not how it works. Mm. Absolutely. Um, I think the, the social media is great in that you can see other people lifting, but I think there's such a huge downside to it yep. in, in mental health and like um, almost a deterrent. Sometimes it can be just because it's like, I'll never be like, I imagine for the 83 kilo lifters as the most stacked weight class, that's got to be rough. Like 18, 18 year olds looking up to Alex and Aiden, like that's got to be rough. You know, Aiden pulling, like, pausing 300 kilos and like, yeah that's because you know if you if you think of the average 83 that's just like the average the average height is person so the average person has to if they're going to get into powerlifting and teenagers specifically they're going to be looking up to people like aiden and sean's young as well like it's it's hard Mm. i think i've talked about this with bryce a bit or he's talked about this the idea of like hyper-focusing on your performance, on, like, how you perform in a gym or, like, what you do for your singles is just, you're just asking to get burnt out, like, mm-hmm. very quickly. And, like, he said, like, bluntly, like, just get hobbies. You know, powerlifting, it's it's not the end of the world if you're not the strongest or if someone out-squats you or out-benches you. Mm-hmm. And you just got to take it on the chin because, you know, you're not doing this. You're doing this for the long term, not to, like, outlift somebody on Instagram. Mm. That's exactly right. I think um, like I'm in a space where with long-term goals, um, there's no in my federation because if you think powerlifting is small in America, imagine what it is in Australia where we have like three main federations, two of them are IPF rules, one of them is deadlift bar and then we have those other meets where people just squat high and whatever um big dogs and whatever but because i don't compete in ipf there's the records like i could go into a meet now as a junior 110 and i would have the records straight away and there's nothing to i I can't look up to some 22 year old because there, there isn't there is nobody there is no one like that and i think um it's like I could look. I could look over at the USPA, but then there's, it's uh, it's it's not tested. So, yeah. 
but I'd like I compete tested in mine. So it's like it is hard in the tiny chance that you don't have many people to look up to in that aspect. It is a little bit harder. Like I'm finding it quite hard to set goals, so I'm doing it year by year rather than like I don't have a long term goal. I, I'm not gonna say I want to be the best junior in the APL because I just simply don't know what that will take at this point. Yeah, yeah, and for me, like I don't have any long term goals. That's probably not a good thing. But I just let training go the way it goes, mm. and I think I've I've made mistakes where I've like wanted to hit singles where they're like better than somebody else's. You know, I'll I'll admit to that. I'm not perfect, mm. but recently it's just like if it goes well, it goes well. If not, then that's okay. You know. Well, if you're set, if you're setting regular, manageable, realistic, and achievable goals. If you keep doing that for a while, like as long as they're not, work. Yeah. as long as they're not undermining, like oh, I want to add two kilos on my bench in four months. Like as long as, as long as you're aiming high for a period of time, <laughs> like let's say you set quarterly goals for the for the year. In a couple of years, you might be the best one hundred and five. Like it's just gonna happen if you if you stick to it, you know. In that yeah, aspect. and I think setting goals like oh, I want to be the best one hundred and five, or I want to out total this person. It's just you gotta take a step back and ask yourself if if you're doing the sport for the right reasons, mm. because no matter how much you might, might dislike somebody or might want to be like somebody, you're not them. You just gotta be yourself. And I think that's the problem with young lifters specifically. Um, an instance of that, exactly what you just said, is Sean wanting to beat Russ, but in that case, he's older. He's been doing it for longer. And that's all he has left to do, really. Like, he probably has hit all his lifetime goals that he's ever set. And so the last thing to do is beat Russ. Yeah, and I think if you look at his training, like, he hasn't set a squat PR in, like... Two years. Two mm. years. And it just... He, he, doesn't, he doesn't complain about it. Huge you know? props fit to him for... If I didn't... I, I don't know. If I don't have a, hit a squat PR for two years, I, don't, I might be just doing... Bodybuilding. Yeah, I might just go and do strongman. I don't know. Uh, that sort of thing is like fine. He probably had some injuries to come back from, but if I was yeah. stalled, if I stalled for two years, I mean, at that point, you'd have to blame the coaching. But yeah, I don't know. That's got to be super hard for him to come off that and then see Russ take some vacation and come back and squat two seven like six hundred pounds for a four by four. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's got to be hard in that aspect. But yeah, there's no denying that Russ is more genetically gifted than Sean, and that's no dig at Sean. But um, it just that's just how it is. Yeah, and I think that like everything seems unrealistic until it happens. And like, what if you get to the point where you haven't hit a squat PR in two years? You're, you're just asking yourself, what's next? Mm. Are you going to give up? And I think to many people that like the sport, that's not the answer. Mm. Well, at that point, I think. Let's take that scenario. Um, Sean had injuries. If you don't have injuries and you don't hit a squat PR for two years and you've been training consistently, you need a new coach at the end of the yeah. day. Uh, but I'm, I think Sean had injuries. He was in between Joey coaching himself and now Steve. So there's yeah. obviously the huge turnover there and that sort of thing. But yeah, there's um, one thing I think with in the aspect of new lifters is that you will, there'll be, for example, like, I have my certificate three. I'm halfway through the process of being legally qualified to coach. So at this point with the certificate three, I think I can do like very minimal sorts of 
like advice and that sort of thing and mm. i do coach people and i coach lifters who are new to like lifting and that sort of thing just general strength hypertrophy very simple principles and and i don't try anything complicated with new lifters but i'm never ever going to be putting on my instagram dm me for coaching i'm never going to advertise it because i'm 18 and it, exactly what you said like i have so much more to learn but i think one thing that is causing a lack of progress is new powerlifters will hire coaches who are like their friend or the same age as them or they just got their certificate and they're like when I get my certificate I'll be able to coach but I'm not going to advertise that because I want to oh like so like my federation sponsored me this year and we're going to go to like I get free seminars and stuff which is awesome for the sport and I think I don't know if they do that in um, it'd be the USPA but like we have 12 sponsored lifters and we're going to get flown to um, watch seminars and I get like an, a team jersey and a heap of cool things which has made me love the sport even more like I feel like this is going to be my best year yet um, and maybe after the seminars and I've seen spoken to some of the best coaches in Australia maybe then I'll advertise my coaching but I just think there's a lot of young coaches in the game and this is no shade at anyone in particular but it's like just hire hire Sean or hire Joey or hire like someone who knows what they're doing when you're young and then down the line if 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 that younger coach if you've talk, spoken to them and they have a, a vision for you fine like go with them then but I think there's people abusing the fact that they have their certificate and can coach oh yeah there's so many people that just like give up cookie cutter templates or programs mm-hmm. that just shouldn't be giving them out but at the same time i'm not i'm no person to say what people should be doing or not yeah yeah so do what you want like i don't i think i don't mean to like when i say stuff on here it's not based on anyone in particular it's going to be a trend that i've seen and obviously there's an aspect to media where you have to say stuff like you know where you might offend some people that's how things grow but yeah i do see people like if I made a program, like on a story, if I made a program, would you buy it? It's like, why are you, why are you making a program? If let's say, okay, well, let's, let's think about it. Your followers, they're not, they obviously don't have a coach if they're going to buy a program. So if they don't have a coach, are they even powerlifters? And then if they're not powerlifters, what you're saying. Yeah. why don't they go on to bodybuilding.com and just do those workouts all week? They may as well. It's your stuff is not going to be better than theirs if you're not a proper coach? I think a lot of it comes from seeing these lifters and just wanting to be like them or wanting to have something that you think will guarantee progress. And then in some cases, like these young lifters may give out programs that work. And yeah. if they do, they do. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're the most optimal program or what can be considered optimal yeah. that you could be doing. Well, if you're a powerlifter and you're buying a cookie cutter program, you need to like, just stop because if you've done any period of powerlifting, you know that volume is individual. And if I ran, um, who's someone that I see lifting heaps all the time? If I ran, like if I squatted more than twice a week, I would just burn out immediately. Yeah, me too. And if you're new to the sport, you need to understand that you're going to have to get a coach who can look at your training objectively and think, why are you so fatigued? And some cookie cutter program is not going to do that. But if I, but for example, if um, Toby, one of the other guests I had, if he benched as much as me, he would probably tear a pec or have s- like severe 
elbow pain, that sort of thing. Yeah, he so. benches like twice a week, I think, right? I think, like he said he, I think he said he benches once a week, whereas I'm That's benching good, yeah. three times and I could probably manage four, but three is working, so we're not going to change it. Yeah, it's just individualization. Mm. It's, it's very interesting. I think, I think one, it's cool that everyone wants to be a coach and obviously I'm not a coach yet, so I can't really speak on it, but like you need to know your place. I know my places. I'm not going to advertise myself on Instagram. I've messaged people that I know personally, privately and asked them. I'm not advertising it because I know my place. I'm not a powerlifting coach yet and that's just how it's going to be for a while. Yeah, and there there has been hate, in my, which in my opinion is weird, for people like uh, DMing others, asking if they want coaching. Because in, in any other like service-based industry, like that's normal. You have you know, to do that. You, yeah, you have to do it. And you have to I, send out that annoying email three times a week to to get customers. Like, But yeah, I think the... I suppose when you're offering a service to people who don't have your service, let's say you deliver something very specific whatever like you you work at a tech store and you're advertising whatever the the person you're advertising to can't do that themselves or there's no better option for them but with powerlifting there's always a better option there's always someone else who knows it more than you it's like i think the hate is deserved because people are stepping out of their zone and offering coaching and then lifters are getting hurt or whatever Oh yeah, I'm, I won't name name names, but there's definitely people that are just like pulling on straps and a deadlift mm-hmm. bar, deadlifting like once a week and giving out programs. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I mean, do what you want. I'm not going to judge you. No, but I think but pe- I think time, it's necessary though. Like, I think it's necessarily let's let's say we say something on here, someone clips it, and then all of a sudden, it's all like people are looking of what we said, and then I get more followers on the account. It's the same thing at powerlifting. You need to be calling that. Like, I, I won't because um, just simply because people like to correlate um, intelligence with strength, and I'm not that strong yet. So people just assume I'm not that clever. But I think people like you, who you're obviously intelligent and you are very strong. You, sh- and obviously you might not want to because that's who you are. But some people need to be calling out this sort of thing, and um, people like Garrett Fear and all of those they do. But I think when it's them, you just assume that, oh, they're not talking about me. They're, they, these guys couldn't be talking about me. But if someone like our age did, then maybe people will rethink, oh, yeah. like maybe they are maybe they are referring to me. That's a good point. That's a really good mm. point. Like I'll see something on Sean's story or Garrett's story. I'm like, oh, like, and I think, like I relate to it. I'm like, oh yeah, I agree with this point. Who would they be talking about? And I'm like, oh no, it wouldn't be anyone that I'm yeah. thinking of. But it might, like it could be because Sean follows me. He follows young lifters it could be about anyone so yeah and uh i don't know it's that's a good point and i think like there's just just powerlifting in some ways is very cringe and that's Mm. why i stayed away from like instagram for so long Mm. but it's a part of it yeah i like i'll see like my friends they're not powerlifters but they'll send in like a powerlifting tiktok i'm like what is this like this is just like it's on tiktok it's like don't don't SBD once a week and call yourself a powerlifter. Like, don't... You need to be planning on competing or at a certain level of strength or have competed to call yourself a powerlifter. Like, uh, people always say, like, don't call yourself a powerlifter if you haven't competed. 
which is funny. Yeah, I don't call myself a powerlifter. It's funny, but like I would call you a powerlifter, just because maybe in relation to me, you're so much stronger. But maybe let's say you weren't that strong. Maybe then I would be like, oh, maybe he's you know, maybe he doesn't deserve to be called that yet. But I think mm-hmm. when your total is the same as the other one hundred fives who have competed, you may as you, you may as well can call yourself a powerlifter. I don't know. Well, yeah, I think. I also recognize that, like, if I do, when I do compete, like, I want to be weaker than my gym numbers. It's just, mm. it, it happens. It's mm. it's a part of it. And, like, people say, like, they always try to compare me to other people. And I'm like, you can't compare me to them because I haven't competed yet. Mm. You know? So there's no reason to make the comparison. And I, I agree with you. I think if you haven't competed yet, you shouldn't be calling yourself a powerlifter, even if you're, like, remotely strong. So, you know, it's my fault I haven't competed yet, but mm. we're getting there. Well, you can say, you can say, I am powerlifting. I'm doing the sport. I wouldn't, I would play basketball and I'd say I'm, I would say I'm playing it. I wouldn't call myself a basketballer, you know, but I think, yeah, I think that's, I actually think that's a good analogy. It's like, I would say that I'm playing football on the weekend, but I'm not going to call myself a footballer because I don't compete at any level. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I suppose that's. That's how it will work. And I don't know. That's yeah. just like some specific things that annoy some people. There's much can, bigger problems. Understand. Yeah, I can understand if it's annoying. And like, I can understand that like, if you're if you're pulling on a deadlift bar and then you call it, and then like you're comparing yourself to people that pull on a stiff bar, that is annoying because powerlifting is so uh, equipment specific. Mm. And it really does make a difference. And you might not think it does, or you might not think it's a big deal, but it really is. You know, like, knee wraps versus knee sleeves yeah to the outside well, person it's not a big deal but it is it's it that's a more i feel like that's a more obvious one is well not obvious to the public but like that is a huge difference sleeves yeah. and wraps are completely different um like i pull on the deadlift bar and i do it because it's easier and deadlift was when i at the time when i swapped my deadlift was like 200 kilos and, and now i'm up to like 250 or whatever but if I was on a stiff, uh, I don't know, maybe I would have pulled 500 pounds, like, on a stiff It's just, at the time, no, I think, like, if I was to put the amount of effort into it now with the the skill that I have, maybe it would be better. But when you're getting into it, when you're getting into powerlifting, and, like, you can't pull slack, for example, the easier option is just to swap to the deadlift bar. And I'm glad I made that swap just because that federation, in my opinion, is more fun. Like, I have, like, a 24-hour weigh-in, blah, blah, blah. If I was to be competitive in the sense that you are, then yes, I would swap back to the IPF. But yeah, have you ever seen that uh, discussion on two white lights about like what USPA would have to be to be like USP- USAPL? And the first thing that someone brought up was like twenty-four hour win. Yeah, I, that post I saw it this morning. I've never do- I've never done it, but I have one in this comp in five weeks. Um, <clears throat> like I might just not eat much the night before the weigh-in, not eat anything the morning of the weigh-in, weigh-in at like 109 and then just get back up to 115 by the next day. You wouldn't notice a difference. I literally could. No one would notice and I would be way stronger. An extra few kilos makes a huge difference and it's not just the extra weight, it's that you didn't have to cut the morning off. You can go to bed on a full stomach, you can wake up and eat a heap of carbs. It's an important point. And I'm biased in that um, I don't care about the weigh-ins just because I've never done that competitive cut. Whereas someone like 
Sean or whatever who's cutting all the time to get back down, then yeah, it's going to be an issue. But yeah, and I think like in any sport, when you're talking about like the most elite lifters, like the small things make a huge difference. Or yeah, at least yeah. to them they do because they think that that's what separates them. It's um, like I think it's good in that like, for example, in Australia, there's this my federation where there's the deadlift bar and the squat bar and the 24 hour weigh in and just some of the aspects of the federation make it very fun and it's appealing to like, for example, I went in my last competition, there was a guy who came up and he's like, uh, I don't have a coach. I have never. And he's like, can you help me move this Alico bench? I don't know how to use it. So I had to help him. He'd never even seen an Alico bench, but he picked that federation for his first federation and he picked that meat for his first meet with little experience. And I think it's definitely the non-intimidating aspect of those lousy feds that get new people in. You're not going to go from gym bro to IPF lifter. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. And I think, you know, that may be an issue in some ways mm. because like the most, probably the most popular or the mainstream federation is IPF. Mm, and I yeah. think the perception that it's not fun it's just not a good look for the sport. No. Well, I, maybe I shouldn't time, use I the words fun. I, I think maybe using the words fun is the, is the wrong word. Maybe more laid back. And maybe that is fun to some people. I think it would be heaps of fun if I was competitive in the IPF. And if I had to do a water cut and I just made it and I was having to quickly eat back up on the day, that would be fun too. But I'm just, yeah, my, until I'm competitive in my weight, I'm just going to take the more laid back way of doing it. Yeah. Eventually I'll swap back to the IPF, but yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. Yeah. I think you have to make your, your choice based on like it, like we're talking, I'm speaking specifically about people who want to powerlift and are powerlifters, not new, new people. It's like, yeah, you could. And I think if I'm going to go back to the IPF eventually, it probably would be good to practice on a stiff bar now. Not probably. It definitely would be. But I just, I'm, would not be as happy doing that. And that's just what matters more to me at the end of the day. Yeah, my gym actually has a uh, deadlift bar. And I was using it for a while. But then I was just like, you know, if I want to compete USAPL or IPF, I need a stiff bar. So I ended up buying one. And is it less fun? I mean, maybe. I don't know. It's, it's still fun to deadlift. You can say it. Come on. Just say it's less fun. <laughs> maybe a bit. Maybe a bit. The deadlift, I don't know, something about the deadlift bar, you can just like... I understand. It, I it, pull, it pulls the slack for you. You don't have to worry about pulling yeah, the slack on basically. it. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. I, um, there's some people who don't find it easier. Some people find it harder. Like, oh, I hate the deadlift bar. Like, it's, it's whippy, it's weird, but whatever. Yeah. We're coming up on two hours. Holy shit. Coming up on like almost two hours. Um... Well, we'll try to wrap it up here, man. Um, I've got work and stuff, but we I think those... I'm really happy with what, what we've spoken about today. I think there were some good points yeah, and sure. some good topics. Um, obviously, I'd like to hear more about you and we can... I'll definitely have you back on um, Thanks, and hear more about your lifting and like with the other lifters. Um, I sort of just let them talk about nutrition, blah, 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 the whole time. 
um, I took this opportunity because you are obviously very intelligent and then I'm just more, more confident in that I wanted to talk about those, like the bench press rules, for example. Um, but yeah, I'll definitely, if you're keen to, I'll definitely have you back on. Of course, man. Um, maybe after your after you have a meet or so we have more to talk about for you. Yeah, um, yeah 100%. But yeah, thanks heaps for coming on, man. I think we had some great topics today. Yeah, thanks for having me, bro. I appreciate it. No, it's been a heap of fun, man. It actually, didn't even notice how long we've been talking to for. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, man, you're good. It's been good. It's been heaps of fun. Yeah. Thanks, man. I'll um, it's Monday. I'll put this one up on Wednesday. But yeah, I'll tag right, you cool, and, and you'll see it. Thanks heaps. All right, man. Yeah, man. See you later. Oh, I'll catch you later.